Welcome to the Everyday Heroes podcast. I'm your host, Philip Brady, and it is my honor to bring you this next episode. It is my hope, ambition, and purpose to inspire, guide, and equip people like you and I with the tools, stories, strategies, hope, and inspiration to make the difference only we can make. This podcast will highlight examples of mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, friends, and colleagues who have risen above circumstance, braved the odds, and come out of the other end more successful, more grounded, more inspiring, more kind, and more grateful. And that is my hope for you. And now to the show. So welcome to the Everyday Heroes podcast. I'm Philip Brady and I am, I would say, honored and delighted to be joined by my next guest, who is Jay Alderton. Jay, welcome to the podcast. Mr. Brady, thank you ever so much for having me. You are welcome. And maybe just the one line on the podcast, Jay, is I'm trying to share stories of people who you could be beside in the queue in Sainsbury's or Tesco and not realize how inspiring they are. So we're going to walk through roughly the hero's journey during the conversation today and show people and demonstrate and role model really that this is possible for other people to inspire both themselves and other people by the example that we can set. So just for anybody listening, tell us a little bit about yourself. What are you at at the moment in your life? And uh, what chapter are, are you currently, I guess, authoring for yourself? Well, the thing about chaptering is that I think some of the mistakes I've made in the past thinking that I'm kind of finishing the book when in actual fact, I'm just starting it. And very much like when you talk about stories, as soon as one story finishes, that's normally the you know, the end of one journey and the beginning of another. So I couldn't really put my foot on exactly what chapter of my life I'm on at the moment, but I'd say I'm probably, I would say chapter four of a 12 page book. If we're going by age and experience, probably on chapter four at the moment. Um, and you know, those chapters have changed a lot, you know, going from, let's just say chapter one of not knowing what I wanted to do as a teenager, joining the army because, you know, I just had no direction and I had no discipline really. And that was kind of the first chapter of my life. Chapter two was kind of leaving the army, trying to find my feet and discover what it was that I wanted to do, you know, since being a soldier, that'd been my entire life. So that was kind of chapter two. Chapter three, kind of finding my feet with what it was that I'm doing. And that kind of chapter lasted a good eight to 10 years of working my way through um, you know, being a personal trainer, being, you know, uh, very inverted commas, an influencer of some sorts, um, building my own gym facility, um, very much into my fitness and fat loss and helping people from that kind of, um, you know, personal trainer perspective into kind of chapter four now where I coach a lot of PTs, do a lot of things online. A lot of p things are pivoting this year, helping people. Um, I've got a basic mission to leave people better when they find me. So that's been my mission this year. And it's um, kind of opening, as I said, that chapter four, because I've had the biggest growth to date this year with the content that I'm putting out there. And uh, I'm really, really enjoying kind of the start of a, a new chapter and journey of which I'm on now. Nice. And most heroes in their lives, they start on a journey to many adventures. So as you look back, even what adventures stand out to you over that kind of time frame? 
And how did they start for you? Because again, like you say, as one ends, another begins. How did those adventures start? I think a lot of them start by wanting to be something. Um, I think wanting to build confidence, wanting to achieve something, not only for the approval of other people, which I think a lot of people do start out, but for the approval of myself to let me know that I can deal with shit. Let me know that, you know, when shit hits the fan, I'm going to be okay. And a lot of the journeys and a lot of things that I've done over the, you know, the past 10, 15, I'd say past 10 years really have been that, have been journeys into exploring different things, different avenues to, to let, my, let me know that, you know, you're good enough. You're good enough to do what it is that you're doing. You don't need now anybody else's approval because you've been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. So now the focus is more on um, on doing what it is that you want to do for the benefit of other people. And that's something that I learn a lot about uh, happiness. You know, a lot of people say happiness is progress. Progress is happiness. And progress becomes easy to do when it serves other people and it helps other people too because you get the reward from helping other people and it once again gives you that motivation and discipline to carry on that journey and how did those start for you like do you ever feel these kind of calls to adventure or is it that feeling of wanting to be something i, th I think it's this kind of feeling of <laughs> I don't, I, I get bored very easily. So if I'm on uh, an adventure and a journey and I'm not enjoying it as much or, um, you know, things are cha changing, which a lot of things do and a lot of things have over the last few years, it, a lot of it's just going back into myself and go, what, what is it that I really want to do? What's the next year look like for me? And and it does pivot and change. You know, if, if we look a lot of the changes from 10 years ago, 10 years ago, as, you know, as a person who just left the army who wanted to become a fitness model, um, wanted to become a bodybuilding you know, world champion, wanted to jump on stage and be the best there. Uh, I couldn't think of anything worse these day and age. You know, a lot of that was having those disciplines, having something to do, having a focus, and very much focus on short-term goals. Because uh, you, you know when you've got that date in mind, when you've got that holiday, when you've got that event, when, when you've got that stage date, everything kind of gets focused on that. And uh, you start on that journey and it's exciting because it is a journey because there is a beginning, there is a middle and most importantly there's an end. So you can really focus yourself and really push uh, for that direction. And I think a lot of people do need that and that's what I did need a lot where you know in the last 10 years because coming you know i left the military in 2009 and i was very much used to having a focus six months ahead six months ahead what we're doing now what we're doing now what we're doing now um and as i got older i realized that you know it's, it's good to have short and long-term goals but it's even more important to have a lifelong purpose and when you have things that you wake up and do every day and they're never are going to be fulfilled but you feel fulfilled doing them, you'll always continue to do them. And a lot of things change for me with that. You know, I've got two kids now, so a lot of me staying healthy, you know, healthy, fit and strong isn't about jumping on stage and looking my best. It's about being on this planet as long as possible for them. You know, leaving people better when they find my content, there's always going to be people finding my content every day. So it inspires me and drives me to carry on producing that content that I want those people to see. And 
you know, I will continue to do that because, you know, the, the job is never done. Yeah. It's like the difference between hope and fear beyond that you eventually get to like, this work is the right work because it aligns with that overarching purpose, right? It's not about, Oh, I got one like today and none yesterday. It's actually, you know, this is the right stuff. It aligns with leaving better people better off than I found them or than they found me. So it's that yeah. overall thing that will get you through. Right. A hundred percent. You know, I've, as I said, I had my biggest growth this year, but I've been doing this for 10 years. And I say to people, you know, I've had the biggest growth I've ever had in six months, but it took me 10 years to achieve it. Yes. Last, last year I was putting stuff out. I, I got some good traction on TikTok with a lot of my content. And then I had about three or four months of next to nothing. And someone actually commented and they said, dude, your account's dead. Just stop posting. <laughs> Pretty harsh. But in my response to him, it was like, you, you can't fail if you don't give up. And they actually liked that because it was like, uh, you know, you think I'm doing this for the likes. I'm doing this for the purpose. I'm doing this for, because I want to put stuff out there. And, you know, that's what I want to say to a lot of people. You will have times where um, things won't be going right, where things will, you know, your income might go down. You, you might lose your job. You know, you might have other things there. And it all matters on how you frame it. Because at that moment in time, you might think this is the worst thing that's happening to you. But you don't know yet because it might be your best. And if I look at a couple of examples of this in my life, back in 2012, I had found a really good job working abroad. I'd left the army, worked in IT for a year, and then was working abroad, very well-paid job. And I got made redundant. And... Uh, I didn't know what it was that I wanted to do because I didn't expect to get made redundant. I had about 800 pounds in the bank and I was just like, this is the worst thing ever. And it actually turned out to be the best because it actually forced me into following my passion of personal training, getting qualified and, and starting on that journey, which is probably why I'm here today. So had that not happened, I wouldn't be here. Fast forward to 2016, I had a massive meltdown where I split from my wife, um, you know, I ticked every single box in 2016 thinking, you know, I'm on chapter 10 of the book when in actual fact I was on chapter two. Wow. And that difficult time allowed me to just reassess what actually was important in life. And there was a lot of things that I was doing that didn't fucking matter. So that I would happily go through over and over and over again because it was what was required uh, for me to grow and at that time was the worst thing that could have happened but look you know four or five years later it's actually one of the one of the greatest things to have ever happened yeah and again like you say it's the framing or the meaning that you give these things not necessarily the thing itself because I could give my now wife a bunch of flowers but if she's heard the story or the meaning that oh it only means that they do that when they've uh, done something wrong or she sees it as the kind gift or whatever that people can give you. Again, same thing, different meaning, very different outcomes. And it's all about the stories that we tell about these things, not necessarily the thing itself. 100%. And it's the same with uh, Jocko Willink. He always says, good, no matter what happens, something's going wrong in the battlefield. Good. We'll figure it out, you know? Yeah. And th there's, a, there's an old... A uh, tale of the uh, farmer and his horse, which yeah. basically goes on once again, different stories, different things, and you know, good and bad things happen to him. And his response to all of them is, "Well, I don't know yet. We'll see." 
because the only time there the story finishes is uh, when you've croaked it. And hopefully I've still got about 50 more years left on the planet. So at least right with these technology changes, right? Uh, well, you say say that, you know, I was listening to a podcast about being able to, in about 30 years time, put your brain into saved state. And I was like, yep. that sounds pretty good for me. If I can uh, <laughs> find a nice safe state where I'm on a loop for decades, uh, I, I'm down for that shit. I'm down for that. What would be, this isn't even in the questions, but what would be the looped quote you would want to live by? The looped quote, um, hmm. I'd say the one that's on my office here and it's environment dictates performance, you know, and it's so, so important to understand that environment because mm. a lot of people are in shitty environments and I'm wondering why they can't get ahead. But also at the same time, you know, I live in a sleepy seaside town and I have done my entire life pretty much from when I started this Know, this life of, of business and, and everything else. So I didn't have people around me, but I had podcasts. I had things I could listen to, people I could watch and learn from. And that was the environment that I put myself around. At the same time, I stayed away from environments that were hindering me instead of helping me. And a lot of people are afraid to let friends, in inverted commas, go. When in actual fact, if these people are not lifting you up and leveling you up, then you've got to ask yourself, you know, if you are hanging around with these people and you're, you know, when you finish hanging around with them, you feel worse, are they actually your friends? And I think this is so important to understand these things because if you are hanging around with people and they make you feel worse when, when you do, then you might want to question why you're hanging around with them. Yeah. And this comes up a lot in the coaching work that I do, Jay, and it's really around moving away from that kind of group approval into a space where you can, again, author your own story. So when you think about the adventures that you've been on and some of the difficult times that you've gone through, that probably factors into some of the hesitation around moving forward, right? Are committing to the adventures. I could be lonely. I'll be moving away from people or some of those other things. Was that ever a thing for you where you're kind of hesitating or people were actually nearly sharing reasons why you should be hesitating and potentially moving backwards? Yes, yeah, it's, it's the, it's the other one. And, um, a good friend of mine, Ross Edgley, I'll always remember this quote when he was swimming around the entire UK, only man to have ever swam around the entire uh, UK and he said you've got to be naive to start and stubborn to finish and I've said some some stupid at the time things and I've done some things which just people are just like why what's the point you're not going to be able to do that and it's just like well I don't know yet but if I say something then and and hold myself accountable to other people I've at least got to be stubborn enough to see it all the way through and that's normally where a lot of the things that I do start it's like, right, cool, what's probably the, the most fearful thing that I can do right now? And when that thing is repeating in my head, I know that that's probably the next thing that I need to do. And then the, the next thing is, is telling my audience. You know, I'm very fortunate to have a large audience, and over the years I've held myself accountable to them. And if I really want to achieve something, the first people I tell is them. Because um, it's very much like I, I say that you're 
quite easily let yourself down, but you won't let other people down. And there's nothing worse than someone coming up to you and saying, hey, did you do that thing that you said you were going to do? And then you turn around and go, no. <laughs> so you're kind of asking yourself, are you that kind of person? And I'm definitely that person. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do my best to at least attempt it. And like confidence is in the gap there, right? Between say and do. So of course, people will see you as somebody that's confident, but it's because of the evidence you stack and you're using the crowd then to make sure that you stack it at the same time. Yeah, and I found this, I found this incredible feeling that gives you relentless energy and it's called spite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I've been heavily driven by spite over the years in a, in a very good way where someone, if someone <laughs> tells me that I can't or shouldn't do something, I'm <laughs> compulsed to do it. Someone told me not to wear a hat backwards because I look stupid. I wore it. I bought 11 different hats and wore them for two years. <laughs> you know, someone said I'd break my legs box jumping Mount Everest and I, I set a brand new Guinness World Record doing it. So my normal response to a lot of people now, because I put myself through these things and because I've had this, yes, you're good enough, you've done these things, is just you're new here. If you stick around, you'll learn something. And it's that kind of, you know, spike confidence where actually... You know, a lot of people have those doubters and that's what stops them from achieving things because they use that negative energy to hinder them. But in actual fact, over the years, I've found that if somebody says to me that I'm unable to do something, I'll take that negative energy and I'll use it to further contribute to the thing that I want to do. Yes. People don't realize like it's not a negative emotion if you use it to propel you forward. There's so much energy, for example, in anger or spite. And we have to be careful that it's not Sprite and that that's the fuel that people think that you're saying, right? It's not yeah. Sprite, it's spite. And it's such a powerful emotion. Like some of the other kind of negative or in inverted commas, negative emotions, people will judge them as good or bad, but actually there's energy in all of them. You just have to channel it rather than get stuck in that emotion. 100% danger is always in the dosage. Yes. So when you are kind of either with that kind of challenge ahead of you or somebody is kind of um, spiting you to do something, like who or what supports you to continue forward as well? Because there's people that will pull you back. There's people that would say you can't, but there's also probably people that you rely on. Or maybe it's that quote that you shared a couple of minutes ago that kind of encourage you or at least reframe the path ahead for you. So what do you do in those moments of hesitation that pushes you forward? It's having a supportive friends and family circle. Like my wife is very supportive. My kids just assume that I can do anything because they've seen me do stuff. So they just boast to some of their friends and then I'll shut up. Um, so it's that expectation already that I'm already going to do it from them because I've done those things in the past. And, and some people might look at that as a fear of going, oh, I've, you know, you've, you've got so high hopes for me. Um, I don't want to let you down. And it's like, well, the only person you're going to let down is yourself if you don't believe that you're able to do these things. So normally when I want to do something big, such as a charity event or a switch or change, I'll, I'll speak to my wife about it and, and she will literally tell me straight, you know, um, why do you want to do this? And what's the point? What are you going to do afterwards? And if I can, you know, talk to her confidently about the why, she goes, cool, let's go. And, and then away we go with stuff. So to have that support, and I've had that for, for so many things, you know, if I go back to the time I was made redundant, I turned around to my, to my wife and said, oh, I'm just going to do this PT thing. And she was like, cool, let's go. Um, 
and lots of uncertainty. Didn't know it was, if it was going to work. Just was like, cool. I just need that support from someone who believes um, that I'm able to do it, and away I go. And it's the same. You know, those people who say, I don't think you're going to be able to do that. You're not going to achieve that. They don't know me. You know, these are strangers on the internet ma mainly. So they are new here. Yeah. You know, they d they only see what I put out there on social media. They don't necessarily know me as a person. So it it's so important to understand you know that i'm able to fuel from you know, negative belief in myself because i do have a lot of positive close family and friends that do believe in me and tell us about some of those challenges jay because again people will see the podium or on the stage but they don't see i guess the difficulty or the kind of walk towards getting to that place can you share any of those kind of challenges and again yeah. i guess people will hold you back around that. So what makes you, what, what do you think makes it hard for other people during that time when they're not on the podium or stage, they're in the struggle in the middle? Yeah, uh, th there's, a, there's a multitude of things. So, you know, from experiences of, you know, once again, stepping on stage, doing, um, you know, competing at quite a high level for many years to wanting a dream of building my own gym facility. You know, a lot of people say, well, how are you going to do that? And I was like, well, the first thing I did is Google how to build a gym. And it's like, you need planning permission. So I was like, cool, how, where do I get planning permission from? And, and I'm not joking when I say this is 2015 and I'm Googling this shit. So I'm like, oh, you need to go and see a planning advisor. Planning advisors, West Sussex. Okay, cool. Ring up the planning advisor. I'm looking to do this. Cool, you'll need change of use. What's change of use? Google change of use. Okay, cool. So it's just taking each step as it comes and finding out these new things, but still the... The fundamental is the same of wanting to achieve a certain outcome, but you've got to learn along the journey. Uh, 18 months later, I'd built a brand new gym facility. Um, you know, my dream gym facility. And, you know, it just goes to show that there was a, a lot of uncertainty, lots of doubt. But, you know, it was that telling everyone what it was that I was going to do that I did it. Fast forward three years from having that, I did have business partners and then once again had to make a very difficult decision of going, cool, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life now. Um, there, you know, there's a lot of changes, both for my business partners and myself. So making a very difficult decision to then close that dream and then start another one. And that is very, very difficult when it's not just you now that is making that decision because you've got other people's lives which you've got to take into consideration. And I think this is such an important one for everybody else because... A lot of people have this fear or doubt of changing something or pivoting and they worry what firstly what other people will think or literally worry about other people beyond their own happiness and it's like cool well if i built this thing and i'm doing this thing and i am unhappy and i'm now unable to you know do this thing at what i used to do which is at my very best then actually I'm doing a disservice to other people not following the things that make me happy because I'm not becoming a happy person and that's not going to rub off and have a positive effect on everybody else. So sometimes we tend to worry too much about other people instead of ourselves. And as with anything, you've got to fill up your vessel first so you can best help others. And sometimes that does mean being selfish for a small period of time if you know over that period of time that it's going to benefit so many other people. Yeah, 100%. Rumi has a quote, um, never give from the depths of your soul, but from your overflow. And again, I think people just associate so much guilt with taking time for themselves, where actually sometimes it's useful because it helps you be selfless. 
if you've been selfish for a little bit. 100%. But it also, it's also a filter system as well from who is your real friends and who is not. Because if you're saying no to somebody who is a real friend, they'll understand. And if you're saying no from somebody or a group of people who you know, disown you or distrust you or anything, you've made the right decision again. Because not only have you decided to pivot into something you actually want to do, you're now doing it without the approval of people who actually didn't matter. When you were going through those kind of difficult times and even those decisions, what do you focus on that pulls you through or kind of shines as like a, like a beacon in the future to pull you forward? What kind of things do you remind yourself of or um, kind of bring to mind, I guess, for that? Just, um, I'll tell you what I actually did because it's like a bit semi-fucked up, but I'll explain why. So I knew I was, let's go back to the, the gym facility. I, was, I knew I was closing this thing. I knew that this was December 2018, the beginning of 2019. By April, I knew I was closing my gym. I was having to rebuild a new business. Also, my um, wife was uh, pregnant, so she was due to uh, give birth to our son, Archer, at the exact same month that I was building my new business. Insert extra stress there. So I was contemplating a lot of things over Christmas about how I'm going to be able to mentally deal with this uh, this new year and I got I got up at four o'clock in the morning on January the 1st I don't think I've ever seen four o'clock in the morning on January the 1st unless I'm walking home and I got up uh, I put I had a load of running gear on got my watch and I ran a marathon hadn't done any training whatsoever ran a marathon it took me about five and a half hours um, and then the next day, I got up at 4 a.m. and I ran another marathon. I actually ran that 15 minutes quicker, which I was very impressed by because I couldn't feel my feet. <laughs> and then, then day three, I got up and went running again. And I was like, let's do another marathon. I got to about 16 and a half miles. Couldn't feel my feet. Everything um, was aching because um, I'd actually done no training. And I did a, a typical forest gump. I was like, whatever the, this is that we're doing now, we're, we're good. We're good. If we can run two and a half marathons in three days, uh, a bit, and a lot of it was, uh, you know, I've been in my head for about, about 12, 13 hours, thinking things through whilst running. So yeah. it's a very, very kind of meditative state of, you know, exhaustion, but also just pushing through this pain and thinking things out. And, and it was kind of like condensing what is probably going to, I'm going to experience over the next six months of change in that space of three days. And it was just this, this approval to myself that, look, Jay, if you can fucking do this and you can get through this and, and, and you're okay, then this will be fine. Nothing's going to be worse than what you've just done the last three days. And it's setting yourself up to win with having a perspective of going, yeah, you know what? It's going to be a fucking difficult time. There's going to be lots of change, but you'll be fine. You've done this shit before. You know, you're a soldier. You did all these things. It's fine. This is nothing. This is just, we'll get through it. And it's that self-belief, but also that comes from doing shit. Yes. And it's hard to have that self-belief if you haven't got perspective on other things which you've achieved and remind yourself of. And I think um, what's actually uh, interesting was that during the first marathon, I listened to David Goggins' Can't Hurt Me book. Um, and he talks, one of the things that's great about David is he's got very simple mental models for very complex things and I think one of his things is the cookie jar yeah. and one of the cookie jar is is a perspective thing where you have things that you've achieved in your life in this cookie jar and every time you're feeling self-doubt or lack of self-belief that you 
dip into that cookie jar and go, motherfucker, you you were in the army for seven years. You you ran backwards for 24 hours. You've got a Guinness World Record for box jumping Mount Everest, which I didn't have at the time, but that's in the cookie jar now. Yeah. So it's just that reminder, you'll be fine. You've done this shit before. You've done hard shit before. And you know, I think for a lot of people, it's reality. You're the oldest that you are today, having done the most that you've ever done. So you'll, you'll make it through and you'll be fine. And I think people forget that, Jay, though, as well. When you're starting something new, you're not starting from zero. You're just not probably connecting either the emotions or the journeys or the adventures or any of those kind of things to this new place and just applying the same journey or skills that you've developed along the way. 100%. You know, I always say to people that the fear of pivoting or changing is because they think they're starting from scratch, but yes. they're not. They're not starting from scratch. They're starting from experience. You know, I, I built a new business, but we had twice as much revenue in the first month than I'd had in the previous business because it had my passion, it had my energy, it had my focus, and it had no business partner, so I was going to make twice as much money. So it was just that realization that, you know, could I have done that from scratch? Of course I couldn't, but I'd had, you know, eight years of business experience to be able to pivot into my new thing and understand marketing, understand the social media, you know, understanding that I've built hundreds of thousands of followers too. So once again, a very powerful thing. If you want to pivot, you're taking your audience with you as well. When you look back over this kind of journey and all of those adventures and challenges that you've been through, what are some of the lessons that you think are like hard won? Hard lessons, um, lots, uh, something that I say to people a lot is that no one cares. Yeah. And a lot of people can take that as a negative or a positive, but it's very much a lot like stoic quotes. You know, I say I've got tattooed on my, on my arm, memento more, which means remember that you have to die. Uh, and people go, well, that's very somber. I'm like, no, no, no. Cause some people will look at thinking of death as something that's very scary and somber, but it's a reality that happens to everyone. So you might think of it as a somber, but it reminds me that I must live. So if you say to the wrong person, no one cares, they think, oh, no one cares, so I shouldn't do it. It's like, no, no, no you, you're, you're not looking at this the way that I look at it. I say to myself that no one cares. So what I can do is I can sit at home and do fuck all. I can sit at home and mope and go, oh, poor me, uh, and, and look for people around me that can pity me. But that's not going to get me out of the hole that I'm in. That's not going to get me further to where it is that I want to be. Because no, everyone else is busy sorting their own shit out. They ain't got fucking time to worry about me. So are you going to sit there and, and moan or wallow? Are you going to do something fucking about it? Because the only person that's going to do something is you. And it's just that reminder that I was saying, no one cares. Oh, you know, I've lost my job. No one cares. What are you going to do about it? You know, oh, you know, I broke my leg. No one cares. What are you going to do about it? And, you know, I got in a bit of trouble during the pandemic trying to, t you know, say this on uh, a video because once again, you know, people were going through very difficult times and you can look at it very negatively. But the whole point of what it is, is to get you on your feet and get you back doing something and taking action. Because a lot of the time you can't control the things that happen to you, but you can control how you respond to it. And as we've already established and spoken about, some of the worst things that have happened to me have turned out to be the best because they forced me into doing the things that I should have done a long time ago. Yeah. So no one cares. Any other lessons that you'd share? 
Um, you, I would say you are rewarded in this world based on the value that you put into it. And the reason that you're not have, you don't have the things that you currently have now is that you haven't got fucking good at something and you haven't shared it with the world for free. And the third one is you, um, if you are putting things out there and sharing it to the world for free and things aren't coming back, it's because you're expecting them to. Or you're putting stuff out there expecting to, for people to reciprocate, which is the wrong mentality. Yeah. It's back to the beyond hope and fear. You do it because it's the right stuff to do, not because you're expecting, again, exactly like you're saying. Exactly. And it comes back to a simple, simple quote, give and forget, receive and remember. And I'll... <laughs> Uh, and that's the mentality, you know, I'll have someone do something nice to me and then I'll, they'll expect something back. And I'm like, that's not how this works. Because I knew, and I had deep down knew that you were expecting something back before we restarted this. Um, and, you know, that's when people understand that reciprocity effect, but then abuse it instead of actually do the right thing. I remember on, being on a podcast, someone was actually saying a mental model for giving things and, and getting something back. And I'm like, that's bollocks. You give things because you're good at stuff and you genuinely like helping people. And then you're genuinely surprised when you get something back. Because yeah. if you have that mentality every single day with things, naturally, if you're giving people gifts every day, people want to return the favor. Yeah. When you return, in inverted commas, home, how do you show up differently now than when you set off on this life adventure? I think um, one, of the th one of the massive changes is that I kind of, wanted to be something and I wanted to be someone and, and I thought that that would involve sacrifice and it does involve sacrifice but you get to choose what level of sacrifice you have uh, and yes. some of the mistakes I was making I was, I was like in order to be successful you need to sacrifice time with your family and friends because you need to be out on the road you need to be doing all of these rounds of things you need to be you know going to these places going traveling and doing all of these things and this was all bullshit in my head. Yes, you have to do a certain element of that, but I'd rather become a success in 10 years, um, working three to four days a week, spending all the time with my family, than do it in three years, not see my family and wonder where they've all gone. Yeah. And sometimes speed is not always the, the quickest way to success. Enjoying yes. the journey um, is, is most certainly um, the quickest way because 10 years pass and you go, oh shit. You look back and go, oh, I've had an awesome life. I've had all my family around me. I've had all my days off and I got to where I wanted to be. Awesome. And it's very easy to stay there and actually go further because you enjoyed the journey. Yeah. My wife pulled me on this recently saying I was focused too much on work and it was such a kick up the arse. It was the kick that I needed to say I'm paying attention to an outcome in the future and not the moment that we're in. So I've lived exactly what you're talking about as well. Yeah, and same, you know, like I was the Mr. 18 hour days, um, seven days a week, having the wife wonder where I am to now saying, like, do you even work anymore? <laughs> <laughs> you're always at fucking home, <laughs> which is a good please, thing because- Please leave know. the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I take that as a, that I'm making progress, which is great. Yeah. Nice. What, what qualities do you think make people leaders? Well, leaders and heroes. Should have said I heroes. Think, I, I think um, 
showing up every day regardless of how you feel. Yeah. I think that's a very important one. Um, leading from, sometimes leading from the front instead of leading from, sorry, sometimes leading from the back instead of leading from the front. Um, and I, I think that's a very interesting one because, you know, a lot of people believe that leaders need to, you know, show and do. But sometimes, like, especially from a military perspective, um, you know, if you've got troops in front, you can't see what's going on. And your job as a leader sometimes is to direct people. And sometimes it's very hard to direct people when you're miles ahead in front, not seeing where the issues are. Um, so it's just being able to understand people better, um, being able to trust other people, and knowing that you got where you are today because of the fuck-ups and mistakes that you made. And if you're not allowing anybody else on your team or around you to make the same fuck-ups or mistakes because you're doing the work for them, are they really learning? And are they really growing? And I think leaders, great leaders, focus on making other people great leaders too. Yeah. Any other qualities you would say? Uh, iPhone users. <laughs> that helps. That helps a lot. Um, now, I would say... In all honesty, I think it's uh, integrity is a massive one for me. Um, you know, putting your hands up and, and going, I fucked up, I made a mistake. I think that's one of the, the greatest things that I, I can have in myself to let people know that I fucked up and made those mistakes. Um, the ability for my team to say, you know, when I'm making those mistakes and fucking up and, and the ability to do that. And I think integrity is a, a massive thing when it comes to leading people. Um, and, and most importantly, building a business too. Hmm. If somebody wanted to be a hero in their own story, what advice would you give them or how would you kind of coach them towards becoming that for themselves? Self-awareness. I, I think a lot of people uh, are very much in their heads and they're not you know, writing things down. They're not mapping things out. They're not making mistakes for themselves. They're very much just stuck up in the, this loop of narrative in their head. And they think that oh, I'm just going to go read another book or I'm just going to go to that seminar or I'm just going to go and listen to that podcast and that's going to sort me out. A lot of these things will give you the direction, but until you actually start that journey, you're never going to learn. And I think a lot of people, um, they, they kind of fall into three categories as well. They're, there's kind of people that don't know which direction to go and don't know what they're doing. There's people that, do know the direction they're going, but they're not going on it. And there's people that know the direction and they're going on it. And I think a lot of people fall into that middle category if they know the direction that they need to go, but they're just too afraid to make that first step. Yeah, so take it. Yep, one foot in front of the other. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are say, uh, you know, they're afraid that when they take that step that they go down the wrong path. Um, there's many different paths, but one of the things that you find when you're down on the wrong path is that there's one less path to go down. Yes. Sometimes you need to go all in on something to realize that it's not what it is that you want, and that's great because you reduce your options down. Yeah, and like you I say, you carry that forward to the next new beginning. Yeah, and a lot of people say this, that like, I think one of the, you know, the psychological tricks is to you know, reduce decisions down when it comes to being focused on things, because you can't, you can do it, you can do anything you want, but you can't do everything. And I, I think someone said to me, like, if you're, if you're arguing about what restaurant you should go to, you should both write down the places and the things that you don't want to go and where you want to eat, because that actually then reduces it down and it allows you to make a, an easier decision by knowing what you don't want. So sometimes 
and people go, I don't know what it is that I want to do, write down the things that you definitely don't want to do because that will narrow down your selection process. Yeah. Was there any questions I didn't ask you that you think I should? Hmm. That is a, uh, a, a, an interesting, uh, a very interesting question. I, I think one of the things that um, I always find interesting with people is that um, certain things that they do to relax so outside of what it is that they do. I find that quite fascinating because very much on podcasts, uh, people talk about the things that they're kind of known for. Um, and uh, a lot of people don't tend to talk about the things that they're, that no one knows about, if that makes sense. Yep. Sometimes about the habits and routines, sometimes about the things that they do, et cetera, et cetera. So what would you answer? Um, I think um, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy certain elements of escapism. Um, that comes from uh, Netflix. I, I enjoy the old Netflix series and that. And I, I think one of the things that makes me laugh is that there's all these hustle and grind things like, oh, cancel your Netflix subscription. You don't need TVs. You just need to focus. I'm just like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, coming back, dangers in the dosage. I'm sm yeah. making my way through the boys at the moment, and that nice. is the highlight of my Great evening. Yeah, you know, it's Super absolutely. <laughs> it's someone just said to me, Jay, watch the boys, <laughs> and it started off the first episode, killer first episode, and it's yeah, so really enjoyable. So there's that. So don't cancel your Netflix subscription, borrow your mates because then you know you can log in and get it for free. Uh, the next one uh, that I really love as escapism is um, I've got one of those Oculus Quest 2s, one of those VR headsets, uh, and I have invested a heavy amount of my time in the evenings playing virtual table tennis. And uh, I get a great enjoyment out of, funny enough, building up a, a, a skill which I can't show any other people other than the person that I'm playing online. Um, but it's just a, it's a very... Uh, yeah, it's a very enjoyable game that you wouldn't believe the skill of some people playing the game. And having played it for almost two years now, I've, I've, I'm up there um, having developed a, a new skill for invisible table tennis. So go figure. The, there was a podcast recently that I heard and they said in between work and lazy, because people think if you're not working, you're lazy. There's a term called leisure, which is where you're engaged, just not in things that are work. And it doesn't mean that you're lazy. And I think we've forgotten exactly that space to occupy. Yeah, I, I still know a lot of people, you know, a lot of um, successful people I know that they can't, they, they just can't do nothing. Yeah. And um, I always challenge people to, you know, sit, sit somewhere and do nothing for an hour or go into one of those flotation tanks for an hour and just see if you literally, you know, can't be with your thoughts and can't relax you know i love my downtime you know i got told off by the missus on saturday because she was like she went to work and then came back and nothing she goes what did you do and i'm like nothing <laughs> she goes, what do you mean nothing i said nothing i did i did a bit of stretching a bit of breathing read a bit but didn't really do anything and years ago i'd be so i feel so guilty about that but also at the same time i say to myself i've set my life up to be able to do nothing on the weekends and it wasn't that i was doing nothing i was with my kids yeah so that was not nothing that was being there spending time with them enjoying their company and although i didn't clean the house to her standard 
I had time with the kids, so fantastic. There's a quote, you're not overworked, you're under-recovered. So it's exactly that. Love it. Um, any questions you want to ask me? Hmm. What are your plans for this podcast over the next few years? I want it to grow into like almost community led where it's not me doing the interviewing so that it becomes this living thing that isn't mine, but it's just this uh, meme uh, amongst communities of people that need inspiration, but also have inspiration to share. And then finally, what is the greatest story that you've heard that no one knows about? No rush. There's, there's, so there's a few. <laughs> One is from uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Beautiful stories. And it's a guy walking along a beach, sees this figure in the distance. You probably I, know it, do you? I, yeah, I was, I was about to say one of the greatest ones from Chicken Soup for the Soul. Can I, can I finish it and see if it's right? Of course you can. So a guy's walking down the beach and there's loads of starfish on uh, the beach and he's walking down throwing them back in the sea and there's there's hundreds of these starfish and this guy walks down the beach and they says to him what on earth are you doing and he goes i'm i'm trying to save some of these jellyfish and he goes you'll never be able to save all of these jellyfish because there's hundreds of them then he picks up one of the jellyfish throws it in the sea and goes i'll save that one didn't i yeah makes a, a difference to that one you'll never make a difference yeah i think that that's a really powerful one the other one is really I'm, I'm reading a book, it's beside me here, and it's a little bit like deeper than deep because I want to be able to support people, be more human in my coaching. And it's around that we need these kind of warriors in difficult times. We need these people that are willing to fight for what it means to be human. And the story that's told throughout that is just beautiful, where we go through these canyons off. It's difficult, it's tough, but here's some mentors. Here's the people that have done this kind of work before you. Nobody will have read that book. My coach or mentor has done the training and I take a lot of inspiration from him, but nobody will have, nobody will know that story. Um, but I think it's super powerful because it's like, this is new to you, but that doesn't mean it's new to others. You just have to lean on the wisdom of others and then we can go to interesting new places together. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's three paths to success. There's guesswork, there's hard work and there's framework. And I think when we don't yet, we don't have uh, enough time for the guesswork. We're, you know, we're already working hard. Sometimes we can speed things up by having a framework that somebody else has developed. Yes. And they're out there. Mm -hmm. For everything. The, the other, sorry. Yeah, I think a lot of people um, you know, they think that their problems and their challenges are special and that nobody's been through them when in actual fact probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions have. Yeah. 
we're really uh, repeatable. The problems we experience are predictable. 100%. Um, anything else you'd like to share before we end? No, I mean, I said uh, I normally finish my podcast with a quote and it's what you put in your body affects how you look and how you feel and uh, what you put in your head affects what you think and what you do. Uh, and if you understand those two things, um, they will definitely help you live a healthier, uh, happier, fitter and stronger life. Love it. Jay Allerton, thank you for being on the Everyday Heroes podcast. Thank you for having me.